Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen. Joined today by Austin Facer, per usual. I'm back. Hello. Yep, and we're here to talk some Utah State and BYU, two bowl games in the book in the state of Utah. I feel like this is one of our final three episodes before maybe. Yeah, I'm told there's another big bowl game coming up. Um, yeah. Not remembering very well. Yeah, yeah like some some people call it like, like the granddaddy flowers. of them all. There's like flowers involved. It's yeah. in California. I, that's all I can remember. Yeah. Personally, to me, the granddaddy of them all is the Cheez It Bowl. So that that happened today. So the biggest bowl game of the year currently ongoing. Uh, Cheez Its. I like cheese nips more, but you know that's just me. But I like the thin Cheez Its, like the the, the, the Cheez Its fins. They're 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 pretty tasty. You can get them in all different. I like the spicy ones. They're they're good. Um, It'd be yeah, funny so, if we could do a live read for them. They could be a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. They, we should they, build you know, them. They could. We 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 could build them. Maybe we'll start having fake ad sponsors next year. Maybe that'll be part. I of, think that's a really good idea, actually. I think I think that'll be part of our shtick potentially. Um, so yeah, we'll have this episode where we'll talk briefly about the bowl games and kind of recap where BYU and USU's seasons ended up. We will have, I'm guessing, a Rose Bowl recap, maybe in person, uh, if if I can. There have been people who have threatened to want it in person, mm. but I, I don't know how. That is the one part of podcasting I have not conquered, is how to do it in person. Um, I've got the stuff. We could, we could figure it out. Um, and then I figured we'd do probably one sometime... When do you think the transfer portal will, like, kind of shake itself out? Like, Super Bowl? Probably. I mean, when, probably, I don't know, through spring even, you know? We, I mean, we see guys leave after they don't play very much in, in the spring game all the time. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of a... I feel like this, your thing, we'll, you know? we'll do a separate episode for spring games. Um once all those are, are wrapped up and then we'll be pretty radio silent for a while until next season. But uh, I do want to talk about like, cause I'm sure I'm curious to see what Utah does at quarterback. Like we'll, we'll you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. We have yet to learn if Cam Rising's coming back yet or not. So yes, hinted is, that he probably won't. Yeah. Uh, okay. I won't return. Yeah. I missed that. I've been sort of plugged out for the past two weeks, except for the games themselves. Uh, I have seen some of the transfer stuff that I was researching today before we did this, but you may have to fill me in a little bit, Austin. I yeah, well, the... he, he just said after, I believe it was, um, who did they play in their senior game? Did they, was it Colorado? Some, some, but it, whatever their, their last home game was, Cam Rising basically said, Yeah, this has probably been my last game at Rice Eccles Stadium. So, which to me suggests he's interested in moving on. So, but I think that's a bad call. We can say that for another episode. Yes. Today we're talking about the other schools, BYU and Utah State. Where do you want to start? Um, let's start with the boring one, the more boring one, I guess. Let's go with Utah State. Okay. Can I give you? Uh, let, let me make the case why. Maybe that was, maybe that was offensive to you because you follow Utah State as closely as anybody. So let me give you the pitch for why Utah State's off season and the coming weeks are not boring. Please. I tweeted this out earlier today. 
personally, as a guy that I've heard do radio interviews and who, who has always been really nice to the people I worked with, you know, I like Blake Anderson. You know, he's had some missteps with some comments he's made, but I've talked to him like very briefly and he is a genuinely nice guy. And, you know, I just want to say as things do, you know, I wish nothing but the best for Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson has put himself in a very difficult position going into this offseason. He has won an impending lawsuit that involves his football program and some tricky comments he made that put him in a bad position. Mm -hmm. Two, he's got a new athletic director who is an interim currently and probably won't be made a full-time player until the university gets a new president in July. That's a long time. And that athletic director wants to make a name for himself and have the program as clear as possible. Point three, you went six and seven this year. There was real coaching regression. The team did not perform up to expectations and they got blown out by a team that was equivalent to them in the final game of the season in Memphis. And part four of that is now you've lost one of your key offensive linemen to the transfer portal. And apparently several other big transfers are coming, including maybe your quarterback, which is not a bad thing because Cooper Lega, I don't think is the long-term option. All I'm saying is this Austin. Yes. Blake Anderson has kind of put himself in a corner where it feels like, if suddenly out of nowhere in five to seven days, something came out and it's like Blake Anderson has been fired by Utah State University, it would not surprise me. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it should happen. But I just want it to be on people's radars that like that result yesterday and just a culmination of the situation up there in Logan right now are the type of things that we have seen in the past lead to coaching changes. So I think that's a really fair read. Something to keep an eye on, because if you read between the lines, his job is not safe. No, I think that's a really fair read. And I I think, you know, I mean, there's, I don't want to speak too much on, on the lawsuits that, that that are happening there. There's been a lot of hearsay about what's been said in team meetings, their attitude towards how the players behave on campus, all that. I mean, it's, it's kind of a a mess. I don't really want to get too much into that, but I think that's a really fair read on the situation. Um, And it's interesting how, how quickly things change because a year, a year from now, a year in the past, you know, Utah state was just celebrating a great season, having won the the mountain West uh, grabbing the belt in the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these kind of things stack up and I, I think anybody who has observed, the uh, Utah state from any distance, you know, you were very close, uh, producing a lot of their games. Um, but at any distance, I think anybody could say they had a, they had a bad year. I think the, I think the, the narrow win over Connecticut, I think set the tone like, oh, this is going to maybe not be a, the cakewalk that you'd expect from a reigning champion with a lot of returners um, a couple weeks later, the loss uh, against Weber state remains inexcusable for um, an FBS team um, and continued losses to UNLV BYU. 
they all, you know, obviously they, they picked up a little bit of steam towards the end of the season with um, some wins in mountain West play. But I mean, the, the, if you, if you win once you win, it, it, that's, that's the thing that Kyle Whittingham has been able to do is, you know, he's built on his success. Utah is a perennial conference contender. Utah state's not. And I, I think that the expectation should be that they can be at least a little bit more competitive and they, 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 they really didn't have a very good year. Six and seven. Isn't that great? Yeah. And, and you can look back to last year too, when they won. And if you're a critic, you can point to the fact that, well, almost all of those games, they were down by 20 at some point and then came back. You know what? You get what I'm saying? Like, they didn't have the mojo this year. They, the case could be made as I, sorry, let me just get out of this. Don't know how to do this. Um, sign out of that because I don't need that anymore. Um, the, shoot. I lost track because of a notification. What was I saying, Austin? You said the case. I, I, I said, uh, you know, six and seven, not that great. Obvious statement of the year. And then you started saying the case could be made, and then you lost your train of right. thought. Right, case could be made that they just got really lucky last year, and they just lucked out, and they had a great quarterback, and they had a great wide receiver, and they got hot at the right times, and they won a bunch of games because. I, I look at what went wrong for Utah State this year, and just a ton of it is what I would call coaching regression. Like, it, they just, one, they were not disciplined this year. They were one of the most penalized teams in the Mountain West. Two, some of those penalties were on Blake Anderson, who is a very animated coach who gets into disputes with referees quite often and sometimes costs his team field position because of it. And I, I just feel like there are some things you can point to and say, as a head football coach, has Blake Anderson done enough with everything else around him that's pending to keep a job for a team that barely made bowl eligibility they were extremely lucky not to lose the hawaii game and it's just a it's a very difficult i mean if you have to as many in. issues off the field as you do at utah state and it, it probably hasn't been talked about enough and i think utah state is benefiting from the fact that they are kind of the little brother in the college football scene um, but if you're going to have that many issues and I I'm sure the Logan community has concerns about the football team right now, you need to be really effing good on the field to, to make up for that. Like that, that that's just the only way to, to kind of help people forget if you're, if your team is bad and you foster a culture that is, I guess what a lot of people would say is unacceptable in 2022, 2023, you need to be, you just, you can't be both. You can't be bad and, you know, not a good citizen of the community. So it, it, it I do think the right, there is some writing on the wall for sure. And, it, you know, I, I just, I want to pose a thought for you. What do you think about this? A year from now, or maybe a few months from now, whoever the new athletic director at Utah State is, maybe it's Jerry Bovey, maybe it's not. Um, 
corrects an error made a few years ago and hires Frank Maley, Miley, Molly, Frank Maley as the head coach. What do you th- what do you think about that? I think because he got screwed when they hired Gary Anderson for sure. Okay, but I think the answer is more obvious. And I mean, I I steal this from really Scotty. I mean, Scott Gerard, who kind of brings this up occasionally, like. Matt Wells is just sitting in Oklahoma. That's a fact. That's true. Bring like, it back. He literally had the blueprint. Like mm-hmm. he, he had the blueprint. He was very successful. If they ever made. Now, Scotty isn't advocating for this. I want to be very clear on, just on that, my wording there. Point, yeah. He just makes a point that he's a very talented football coach, but is just sitting in his living room in Oklahoma, and it doesn't make much sense. He got a raw deal at Texas Tech, and yeah. he, he just I, – I just wonder if you like, know, he's, th- he's there gonna are options. To, he's going to have to overcome the fact that Utah State already played that card, right? They already played the let's go back to what worked card with Gary Anderson. It did not work the second time around. That doesn't mean it wouldn't work with Matt Wells, but it just means like a a similar situation has played out in the minds of a lot of people who make the decisions up there. They're like, why would we do that again with, with, you know, of course it's different people. It would be, the conditions would be very different, but he's going to have to overcome the fact that they already, they, they did the let's bring somebody back card. You know, they did that and maybe they should, but I get, I I think a lot of people are, are simple minded. And they're gonna see that situation and be like, "No, nah, let's let's try something fresh. Let's not do that again." And I mean, I, I I don't think this is a sure thing. I have no inside intel. I have no reason to believe this other than just pure just reading between the lines of a situation. He is a coach under a tremendous amount of scrutiny and pressure right now. And his football team didn't perform this year. You're talking about Blake Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Like there there are reasons to think that his job security might be at risk. I I just, I I think anyone with any common sense can look at the situation and, and, and say that. Yeah. Um, I, I I think what, I think there are some positives though. I think, I think, I mean, recruiting is always going to be really challenging at Utah State, but I, I can see that, you know, they have a few three-star players at at key positions coming in. Um, I'm sure they're, I'm sure, you know, they would like to take the time to develop them if things start slow next year. And I believe they, they start with, uh, they play Iowa. Um, then they have, they have two games. They absolutely have, they have actually three games. They actually, ha- they really have to compete well in. Um, they play Idaho State and then James Madison and they they go to UConn. I think if they lose two of those three games, I think Blake Anderson probably gets the phone call. Um, says, "Yo, we what what's going on?" Um, it's I, I think we'll know right off the bat what's going on at Utah State next year if if they have any issues. Um, you know, with with, with uh, you know that stretch with uh, those teams. Yes, but that you I, also... I think I think they'll let him lose one of those games. They'll let him lose one of Idaho State. You also potentially you also potentially have to totally remake your roster because 
but the problem is they're just going like they're going to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. They lost. Oh my god, his name is escaping me. They lost the offensive lineman this morning. Uh, who I do know how to pronounce the name. It's just mm-hmm. escaping me at the moment. Just edit this in post. Just just you know do a separate. Oh, absolutely not. You think I'm some sort of coward? No, I would not edit this in post. As I search it on Twitter. And still nothing. It's okay. They I'll just I'll just pretend that I knew what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Here, let me pause because this is really going to bother me now. Let me pause this. (laughs) Waylon Lapuaha, I believe, is the the player that is leaving the team. That's a big loss. He started most of the year on the offensive line, was pretty good at doing it as well. Um, Then you've got the issue that your 1,000-yard running back, Calvin Tyler, is graduating, that Brian Cobbs is leaving. He's Mm -hmm. He he, he is aged out. And then suddenly your top – Two or three offensive weapons are just totally gone. Oh, and Cooper Lega cannot be your answer going in to next year. He got benched halfway through this game after starting seven for 12 for just 34 yards. I mean, he, he cannot be your answer. He will likely transfer out. Are you really going to try to sell everyone on Bishop Davenport, a sophomore quarterback with very limited experience and very limited talent throwing the football how how are you going to sell your fan base on that? This well, they roster... could sell them on uh, former Sky Ridge High School quarterback um, McKay Hillstead, who yeah. missed most of his senior year with an injury. So you could sell them on that. You could sell them on you could sell them on Hillstead because he's the newest recruit. But still, even at a G five, you hardly ever see freshmen start. It, no matter how highly they're rated recruiting wise, coaches generally like to let guys sit a year. I I, it, it, I was joking, by the way. I I think that would be a disaster to let a guy who hasn't played considerable snaps since his junior year of high school, you know, yeah, start against Iowa. That's a, that would I, be a bad idea. I think what ends up happening is they're very aggressive and may try to go get a low pot power five transfer quarterback and and see what happens in that regard. But they they are just a team. There's a lot of transition to do, is my point. And, like, uh, I get what you're saying, that, like, it could be one or two games next season. But, honestly, he Blake Anderson has a lot of very hard decisions to make over the next week and a half because most of his roster is either going to transfer or graduate because that's just the way college football works for low G5 schools at this point in time. Sure. And how he manages that, will either sink or or swim him but then there's also the fact that you're waiting for a university president who ultimately calls all the shots because the ad can do so much but they have to run it through the university president first and the university president doesn't get in in july so we could be doing an emergency podcast in like mid-july right before camp starts but something has happened it's just a really weird timeline and he's just in a really bad position i i I do not envy it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think, I think he should maybe not get that comfortable um, living in, in cash 
Cache Valley for much longer. Um, that's my thought. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's the type of loss they had is the type of loss that gets coaches fired. That game was not competitive at any point. Yeah. Memphis just dominated the Aggies and we could talk about the game now from start to finish. It was never really close. The offense never got going and the defense started hot in the first quarter, played really, really well, and then just fell apart, gave up 21 points in that second quarter and then 14 in the fourth. It, it's just a very, very tough situation in uh, at Utah State right now. So that's Utah State. I think, I think the positive takeaways though is, you know, they got to – to go on a really nice trip to Dallas. Um, yeah, Frisco Bowl. They probably got like a nice shaving kit, um, maybe like some some like a new sweatshirt, a new hoodie. Um, so all in all, it's a pretty good trip. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good way to spend, uh, you know, Christmas away from your family. So, so it was pretty good. Yes, indeed. All right, let's take a look now at. BYU. Rise and shout. Rise and shout. The Cougars are out. Uh, It's uh, that game. Let's just talk about the game really quick. Was just a total encapsulation of BYU's season. Uh, Started really dominantly offensively. The ground game worked really, really well. Soljay Mayaba Peters is one hell of a runner. He he kind of has that Jalen Hurts-esque leg ability on him uh, that I think is is should very we, underrated. Should we compare him to you know, the guy who's going to win the MVP in the NFL this year? I think I think we should. I think we should too. I mean, as a runner, I, I well, I just use Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts is the best runner in the NFL and the best runner I've seen at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Soljay was pretty good. I mean, he made guys miss. He, he had several good cuts. Didn't throw the ball much. Only went for forty-seven yards, but and and had a had a pick. But he he looked okay. And then things got dicey in the fourth quarter. The BYU defense ceased to exist as they often have this season. And SMU scored thirteen points to get within one point. They stopped the two-point conversion. And BYU gets the win. And it's just a type of win that enca- that game was perfect to end BYU season because it just encapsulate the entirety of BYU season, which was at points they were an explosive offense that could not be stopped. But they were ultimately held back by terrible defensive coaching and terrible defensive players that will almost all certainly have to be rushed off the team yep to compete at any level in the big 12 yeah and, and they know it i mean and i think i think that's been evident in the moves they've made um especially on the defensive side of the ball um i think they're insanely lucky that they were able to um get jay hill you know on a year where weber state maybe didn't play as well as they had in years past um it, it was it seemed like it was a good good time for Jay Hill to maybe make the jump into um into the FBS level um that 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 was a huge hire I, it, it has to be the biggest hire in the state so far um my suspicion is that Kalani might have hired the guy who will eventually replace him to be on his own staff um interestingly enough 
but I, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, these, these were really evident truths as, as the season went on for BYU, like the, on the defensive side of the ball, they were going to get obliterated and they still might in, in big 12 play unless they made sweeping changes. And, and I think we, we, we've seen them do that to a large degree as well as already. Yeah. The sweeping changes have come. They lost their, um, again, names are starting to escape me, but they're starting corner, but Gabe Judy Lally entered the mm-hmm. transfer portal earlier today. They're going to lose Tyler Batty. Uh, they've already lost really key place pieces on the offensive line in the Freeland brothers. Um, that one really hurts them, by the way. Like it, they went from having the offensive line be a strength where they ran 10 deep to not only losing those guys, but losing those guys to Baylor who are known for having an absolutely stellar offensive line. But that that's just not the type of thing you want to see going into the Big 12. Like, and it it speaks poorly on behalf of Kalani because you should be able to keep that kind of talent if you're going to the P5 level. But instead, they just, they wanted out and they left. And BYU has now massive holes at tackle and guard. You know, and, and you know, not, you know, I know everybody's really excited about Keaton Slovis. That, that, that's a big transfer. You know, they're going to need, you know, some sort of, veteran leadership behind center at quarterback. But I mean, this, the speed is leaving BYU in tremendous degree, like just in droves, you know, with, um, with Puka Nakua leaving as well. I I think that raises a lot of concerns. I, I think he could have really benefited from, from playing well, you know, in, in big 12 conference, you know, with an experienced quarterback. I think he, he was in a good situation to, to, you know, maybe, increases NFL draft stock by staying at BYU. But I don't know, maybe there are bigger problem bigger issues here. I, I don't I we can only speculate from the position we're in, but you know, I I, I do think they they made some some good changes. Jay Hill is a huge hire. Keaton Slovis is is a nice story, but I think you have to be really concerned about BYU's BYU's ability to get back into bowl eligibility um, in the big 12. I think that's going to be a a massive undertaking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're lucky. I mean, they, 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 they're going to have some, some wins on, on, on the schedule, right? They're, they're playing Sam Houston and Southern Utah in non-conference play. Let's just, let's just sharpie those wins in for BYU right now. God forbid they lose to Southern Utah. They'd probably have to fire Kalani you know, in the parking lot. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're scheduled to play at Arkansas on September 16. Um, I, I think that'll, they'll give BYU everything they can handle. And I don't anticipate that being a, a win for BYU yeah, that's in Arkansas. That's in tough. Arkansas. You know, the climate's going to have, a, have an impact on the game. The, the speed of the SEC is going to be shocking. I would imagine to BYU. And, you know, they, I mean, they're still working on what the big 12 schedule look like, you know, what, what advantages, disadvantages BYU will have there, but it's going to be brutal. It'd be really, it's going to be really effing hard. Yeah. You're probably going to get Baylor. You're probably Mm going to get Kansas. Who's on the up and up. You're probably going to get TCU who are currently in the college football playoffs. Yep. You'll probably get one of K state or Oklahoma state. 
if Oklahoma and Texas are still there, which they might not be, um, that they might, be an... they might get an, I think they're going to give them for one more year. This is what okay. I've read. Yeah. It's it changes all the time. Cause I read yeah. something completely different on it. It does change a, a lot. Yeah. Um, so that could change overnight, but the whole landscape of college football probably will change again in July. Let's mm-hmm. just not even lie let's about just, it. Yeah, Austin. Yeah. Let's just make that prediction, right? Someone's, there will be more conference realignment news on July 10th. Got July it. 10th. I'm gonna that seems put, about the put time. On my that calendar it, right now. That seems about the time that it drops. You know, yeah. right in the middle of July when sports radio is really, really dry and there's nothing to talk about. Usually I, that's I, when I, they decide I'm doing to drop some the conference realignment. Wikipedia research says Oklahoma and Texas as of now, we'll join the Southeastern Conference in 2025. So SEC bound in, I guess, two years. So I don't they, understand that. Why would the I, SEC wait that long? There's probably some sort of contract or there's some sort of, that's when the, I don't know, there's probably some sort of litigation, some sort of fancy lawyer speak involved. But yeah, if, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're, they're going to, they're going to play Texas oh my God, a couple of times. Can I just give you a nightmare? Can I just give you a nightmare scenario? Please. We get more conference realignment. And then next year, next year in like December, when we're so close, EA comes out again and says, nope, we're pushing college football back to 2025. Well, that that game is not going to ever be released. There's no chance. Realignment. Oh my God, I just need it so bad. No, there's no way that game will ever come out. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway. You really think so? That's a legitimate I mean, thing. I mean, there seems like there's a lot more hurdles they have to jump through, you know, now that they have to like pay pay the players and like pay. Because I think what I read is like Notre Dame is not interested in, you know, entering their, you know, permitting their like their their image and their likeness in the video game. And I don't know if you can make that video game if certain schools drop out like that. So. Um, I think that'll be hard, but anyway, so, you know, back to that argument, I, I think, um, I mean, I, I, I would love to see a scenario play out in, in a, in a year or two where Utah jumps ship and joins the big 12 as well. I think that would be great for the, for the state to have that rivalry back on the slate, back on the books every year in, in with conference implications. But I mean, you know, speaking about what we do know, like what what is for sure, BYU is definitely going to be in the Big 12 next year, and I think it's extremely likely they're going to have a very hard time. Yeah, I I just they're they they've got to they've got to build some build a lot of depth. They've got to rebuild a lot of key positions. Um. I mean, I think they're they're gonna be really surprised what the, what that looks like on a on a week to week basis, and you know, I I think had they come out of independence like maybe another year, like you know, from that era, I wouldn't be as concerned, but I I think in a year where so many guys are leaving, they're they raise so many questions, especially on defense, it's like man, how many how many times are they gonna give up fifty points a game next year? Probably a lot. Man, I really don't think it'll be that bad. I think it'll be kind of equivalent to this year, maybe slightly better. I would say if I had to place a bet on 
the average points scored against BYU next year, it'd be somewhere in the low thirties. I think either like that's a that's a huge number. You can't win when that's you cannot win when you allow over thirty points a game. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take time to build that defense unless they're super aggressive in the transfer portal, which I mean they could be. But that, Jay Hill has just like a he has to raise the Titanic basically. Like that yeah. they they are below sea level right now. Like they are they are drowning. Like they 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 actively need to. And fortunately, I, I think water. most people consider him one of the best recruiters in the nation, and he's going to have to develop a really unique strategy for recruiting to BYU. There's always going to be challenges when you're recruiting at BYU. I, I I think BYU could really benefit themselves, as you said, by really positioning themselves as a place in the transfer portal where let's say if you're an embattled elite player, maybe you've gotten in trouble at school, maybe your career hasn't panned out the way you thought it could, you can go to BYU where things are squeaky clean, um, where there's still a lot of coverage, you're playing in the Big 12, you can rebuild your image at BYU. I, th- I think I think maybe that's the position they should take, and that should be the pitch. But again, it'll it'll be interesting to see like what what that looks like in 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 practice. It'll be interesting to see. I want to jump back really quick to Keaton Slovis because we kind of just breezed by, by that. Right. Keaton Slovis was the best you could do. That, that to me is suspect because if there's one thing I know about Keaton Slovis, it's that he is an extremely overrated college football player. Like you start for a couple of years at USC, that'll happen. Like I get it. He's a household name because he started at USC. But like, if you watch him play, he's like a very middling quarterback. Like a very middling quarterback. If you look at his stats, he's a very, very middling quarterback. Like they couldn't do. They couldn't have done Eric. So, so we can help our audience understand. Of course, wonderful. So this this year he had a completion percentage of fifty eight point four, which I would say is bad, below average. Um, threw for twenty about twenty four hundred yards, averaged seven point six yards per per completion. Average is not elite at all. Um, here's, here's the concerning stat right here. His touchdown interception ratio was 10 to nine. Oh, um, that's that, which is, piss you cannot poor. start that piss poor. That, you cannot start that. Yeah. They have to me, they have to be very aggressive again. And he has to be competing for a job like that. In terms of, in terms of QBR, he was the 93rd ranked quarterback. Oh my God. Yeah. He like, I, I get it. He's a big name. And so BYU fans are hyped up, but I'm just telling you, I tweeted this out. Like the he's truth is, a, he is he's not great. He is middling at best. And like with a middling quarterback and limited wep- new weapons, because Gunnar Romney's gone. Puka's probably gone. He's like, gone. Yep. Like, Limited weapons, middling quarterback in the highest scoring league in America. That's not, just not going to go well. Like I, I see, I am very doom and gloom on BYU. I do not see how they uh, honestly I think become. I think... I, I think becoming bowl eligible next year would be a massive victory. Oh, huge! 
a huge. massive it should thing. throw them a parade and down Provo and down uh whatever the street in Provo is Canyon Cougar Canyon they should have a parade in Cougar Canyon if they make a bowl game they make yeah. it to the cheese at bowl they'd be lucky to make it to the cheese at bowl um it'll be interesting we'll see how how that all goes but I do not feel at all positive about BYU. And you shouldn't. Uh, things there could get ugly very quickly. And with that, we'll call it an episode. Austin, thank you so much for joining me. This has been fun per usual. I'm going to say our next episode will probably be maybe like a weekend after the Rose Bowl because I know – that week is kind of the start of work weeks again. So I guess we could do it at night too, or, or we could do it directly after. But I do want to try to get it, to get an in-person podcast together. That is something yeah, I, I would, I would like to try and do. So we'll get, let's we'll get Brown Bear. We'll get Lundy. Yeah. We'll get yep. Dip. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Some dip. Uh, yeah. I've never had buffalo chicken dip. I oh, would like. It's, it's fabulous. I would like to try it. Maybe it's you can. Good. Maybe you can chef some up. I do not know how to make it, but when it's made, I do enjoy it. All right. Well, I'm sure the, the recipes are quite simple. That's a that's a one thing I want to do with my newfound free time at night. I want to learn how to cook. Like I want I want to like learn how to like make things. I think buffalo chicken dip is a good starting point. I would agree. I w- I would love to try your buffalo chicken dip. Yeah. All right. And with that. We will see you all after the Rose Bowl. Peace out. Adios.